uh, we have a cool opportunity as a nation, as churches, as Christians, to worship God in a whole new way for a time. And I'm looking forward to getting back together at church, however long that is. But until then, I'm excited um, about how the Lord's going to use this, um, this season of our lives. And that's really what the message is about today. I really was praying and debating about what to preach on. And uh, we finished two weeks um, on worshiping through difficulty. We've been doing a worship series for a long time now, several, probably about a month or two. And I finished up the last week, Worshiping Through Difficulty, the second part. And I wanted to do an Easter series before Easter as well, but I didn't know how many weeks it was going to be. And so I'm kind of right there in the middle, and uh, I just didn't feel peace about continuing in worship or even starting the Easter series. So I just said, Lord, what do you want me to preach? And he just kept bringing me back to this thought of just kind of preaching a need, a message for the hour. Um, our nation's in crisis in a way. Um, you may say that sounds dramatic, but I mean, if, if you look around, people are living in fear. People are paranoid. A lot of things are different than they've ever been before. This is a crazy time to be alive. It's a crazy time to be alive. And um, it's, it's exciting, but it's also fearful for a lot of people. And, um, you know, we're in a pandemic. You know, I asked my parents and, and people even older than them if they've ever seen anything like this. And nobody's ever seen anything like this. It's just, it's crazy. Um, so here we are. We're doing live stream when it's beautiful outside, you know. Um, so that's just where we're at. So it's a unique time, and I felt the need to just kind of try to be an encouragement today. Try to bring some hope um, in the midst of this pandemic. So the message, I really struggled with trying to figure out a title for it because, you know, it was just kind of odd. I thought, you know, pandemic promises, and that sounded super cheesy, so I totally didn't want to use that. And then I'm like, I don't want to do something just, you know, just because. So all I kept thinking about was this question that people are thinking. Whether they, maybe they've uh, contracted the disease and they actually are sick. Maybe they have loved ones that are sick or that are around the sickness and they're, they're nervous about that. Maybe you're not around it at all and you're quarantined, but you're out of a job. Um, money's tight. Your kids are all home now. You don't know how to homeschool. Um, everybody's affected by this. And I feel like the question on everybody's mind is this, what am I supposed to do? That's, the, that's really the title of the question. What am I supposed to do? You know, how long is this going to last? What am I supposed to do? And we're in Matthew chapter 8 uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, there's no pandemic that I saw in the Bible. We had plagues and stuff like that, I understand. But look at the New Testament. I didn't see any necessarily, you know, a, a pandemic. But in Matthew chapter 8, there's three different accounts of like severe sickness. And the Lord just kind of brought me to that passage and I looked through it and just said, Lord, you just want me to preach, just show me. And I just found some promises in this passage that can apply to us today. And I just want to go through each account of the sicknesses and then kind of just how we can apply it in our own lives. And then we'll be through. And uh, we'll, if you have prayer requests, again, put them down and we'll pray for those, um, whether at the end or just, just have them to pray for. But um, let's pray and ask God to bless the message, and then we'll jump right in. Lord, we love you. We need you today. Would you bless this ser this sermon, bless this message, all those who are watching right now, Lord, please be with them. Um, I plead the blood of Christ over this message and over this live stream, God, that you just help it to go well, help there be no distractions on either end, on my end uh, or on their end, and help us just to focus and be helped today. We love you. Thank you for being so good to us. In your precious and holy name, amen. Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to jump right in. Um, it says in Matthew chapter 8, in verse number 2, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. 
I see, first of all, even just in that verse, you know, trying to, trying to look at every word and every verse in this, in this uh, chapter. Leprosy is a big deal. Um, not really common, obviously, in the United States, but I know some people still have it in the Philippines. I've seen stories and talked to missionaries, but back in the Bible times, this was a serious deal. It, this, was, this, was, this was a major problem, a major disease. Sometimes um, they had it from, from birth, so growing up they had it. And it would progressively get worse and worse. And it would start maybe on the outside as a skin disease. And then it would kind of get, make all the way to the bone and to the marrow. And it was just this extremely painful, debilitating disease. And in the Bible times, they were kept completely separate. They were just nobodies and just cast out because of their leprosy. So you talk about not only the physical pain of it, but the emotional and mental pain of just being isolated, being completely quarantined, if, if you think of a, another word. And... Here this leper comes to Jesus. And I have no doubt that this leper has lived a life of pain. And that's the first thing I see. I see in all three of the sickness accounts, miracles in chapter 8. But I want to focus on this one at least where we get the first point is just the pain. What we as a country are facing right now as churches, as parents, as spouses... Um, as employees, as, as pastors, as churches, as Christians, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's painful. We cannot ignore the reality that doing church like this and not being around our brothers and sisters in Christ, and in some cases not even being able to be around our families, is painful. It's, you, know, you say, well, I, I'm so glad. I, now I finally have a reason to not be around my family. Well, I hope that's not the case. But listen, think about it. We can't ignore the reality that this is challenging. It's a lot harder for me to do this and try to figure out this live stream stuff than just having church together here at the house. God's been blessing our services. In this national pandemic, there is challenges. There is pain. You just think about the people who are sick, who are physically sick with the coronavirus. That's not fun. I've, I've read stories. I know some people it's just a cold, but for some people it's a lot more than that. People have died from this. Just this past Wednesday alone, over 200 in America alone died. And the numbers are growing. People are being infected. It's, it's, it's insanity. And people are in pain. People who have loved ones. I think of all the people who have parents in a nursing home or grandparents in a nursing home. And the coronavirus just kind of begins to show up there. And the fear that's there and the nervousness and just the, the, the emotional pain of I hope they're okay and things like that. You think of those who have lost loved ones. They've died from this disease, from the coronavirus, and not even be able to have a funeral. You know, they have to figure out how they can eat because they can't get in groups of more than 10, 15, 20 people, whatever it may be. That's painful. We know people that had a wedding planned for next month, and they have to decide if they're going to reschedule it, reschedule their wedding after making all the payments, all these different things. Uh, my wife and I had a 10-year anniversary trip planned and paid for it. We had to cancel it. You know, there are challenges and difficulty that come with this stuff. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So why would we ever ignore the reality that there's challenges that we face? Listen, as a pastor, I'm a brand new pastor. Brand new pastor, just since the end of October. And, you know, I finally was getting used to holding services and preaching and leading the worship together and everything. And it was, I mean, I love it. And then suddenly... In the blink of an eye, we are thrust into this whole new way of life where now I've got to figure out how to live stream. And, and I've got to, I realize that, man, if I want to do a, 
um, uh, you know, if I want to reach out to our community, I might need to get some better equipment. And we only have this many people. and We only have this much in the bank account. All these different things start going through your mind and challenge, new challenges, new responsibilities show up. And, and then you're trying to, you get the equipment. Then you try to figure out how to use it. And then you're making mistakes and you're trial and error and all that fun stuff. Then you add to that the fact that your kids are home from school now. My, I got my son Seth who has autism. He's in therapy every day. Um, in, in kindergarten, they, they do therapeutic stuff with them and teach them things. And then my oldest, Donald, is in third grade. And now they're home all day with the other two kids. So I'm trying to do all this new stuff and learn all this new stuff all the while. Um, also having to, to take care of all the kids. My wife's working right now. She's an essential employee. She does home health care. So you, you think about all that. Man, for me, that's how it's affecting me. It may be affecting you in a different way. You may be out of a job. Finances might be tight. You may not have anyone to watch your kids. You may have loved ones that are sick. You may be sick. Listen, we live in a fallen world. This world is not functioning as it was created to function. Sin has sin crept into this world and is just destroying it. The Bible talks about how the, the earth groans. Listen, we are broken people living in a fallen world. And this whole pandemic and all the paranoia and fear, it's just another proof of it. We live in a fallen world. The first point Obviously, it sounds a little negative. I'm, I apologize. But that's the reality of it. It hurts. What we're facing right now hurts a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And, and people may want to act like everything's fine or there's no problems, but that's ignoring reality. You see the leper here. He's a leper. He has a disease. He has a need. He has a problem. But he goes to the right person. And that's the second point. We're going to look at the person. The person in the passage. He goes to Jesus and says, If thou wilt, thou could make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. That's a promise. Listen, the, really, the points today are promises. The first one was that, listen, unfortunately, something that you can rely on is that life's going to be difficult sometimes. There'll be trial. We talked about difficult the last two weeks. The second promise, though, is that there's someone here to deliver us. Jesus will deliver us. You go on, and after he's healed of his leprosy, in verse 5, we see the second account of sickness. Jesus was entered into Capernaum. There came unto him a, a centurion beseeching him and saying, uh, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And you see the pain in this passage of this servant of the centurion who is grievously tormented being sick. And Jesus said unto him, I, uh, I will come and heal him. Jesus, there's, there's the person of the, of, the, of the pain. The person that's there through the pain. The, the promise of Christ. Verse 8, uh, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. And by the way, that was because he was a Gentile, Jesus was a Jew, and in the culture back in those times, um, they just didn't hang out at all. So he said, listen, I'm not even worthy. He may have known about Jesus' miracles and who Jesus said he was. Obviously, he had faith in who Jesus was. He said, I'm not even worthy. Just say the word. And he'll be healed. And Jesus says in verse number 10, uh, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And then in verse 13, what happens? Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Jesus said twice in this passage so far, to the leper and to the centurion, I will. I will. And he performed a miracle and brought healing and brought life. Listen, me and you, okay? Christ is here to bring us through this. It's not our strength. It's not our ability. Listen, you can, you can, we're forced into a corner, aren't we? Some of you would love to be working right now, and you can't. You're not allowed to. 
Some of you would love to, to be getting stuff done, but you can't because you're watching your kids now. Your kids aren't in school anymore, and everything's just everything's changing. And that can be stressful. Don't deny that fact. But in the stress and in the difficulty and in the pandemic, Christ is enough. And he's here. He will deliver. He said, I will. Listen, the leper has no healing without Jesus Christ. He's still a leper. The centurion's servant would probably die. He would either continuously be grievously tormented or die without Jesus Christ. He is the answer. He is the answer then and he's the answer now. For today, for you, for me. Uh, later on in the, in the chapter, we're going to get to the story, but Peter's mother-in-law, the disciple of Jesus, Peter, his mother-in-law, was also sick with a fever, and Jesus heals her. And, and, and listen, he is the answer. He is all we need. Um, we have no deliverance. We have no joy. We have no peace. We have no true contentment without Christ Jesus. Bottom line. You will live in fear. You will live in dissatisfaction. You will live uh, uh, in unhappiness and discouragement without Christ Jesus. That's the truth. That's a fact. Mark it down. Christ is enough. He is the answer for now and for two years when this all blows over. Listen, he is enough. He's enough. Philippians chapter 4. I want to read you a few verses. Philippians chapter 4. We find Paul. And Paul here in Philippians chapter 4 um, says in verse 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Well, how could Paul say that? How could Paul say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me? What, what, what gives him the confidence to say that? Well, in verse number 11, he says this, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul said, wherever I'm at, whatever's going on in my life, I will be content. I'll be okay with it. I'll rest. I'll trust the Lord. In verse 12, he goes on and says, listen, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Um, everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul had been on both sides of the coin. Paul had had good days and bad days. Paul had had uh, easy going and challenges. He had faced it all. He had been persecuted and given freedom to free. All these things, he'd been on both sides of it. And he said, listen, wherever I'm at, whether it's good or bad, I'm going to be content. Well, how could Paul be content? Like, how could he do all things through Christ? Well, by being content. Well, how could he be content? How do you find true contentment? Well, you see it in Philippians chapter 3, earlier in the passage. Uh, in chapter 3, he says this in verse 10. Here's the answer. Here's the solution. Here's how Paul can be content in any situation, no matter what. Here's how Paul can do all things through Christ. How? Now, verse 10. In chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. It's by knowing Christ. Anytime Paul suffered, he said, well, Christ suffered. I'm just fellowshipping in his sufferings. He suffered for me, I'll suffer for him, and I'll be content doing it. Because the only reason I am even alive today, the only reason I'm even preaching, I'm preaching for him. Paul could be content and do all things because his main focus, his goal, his motivation was knowing Christ and being like Christ. And that's our answer. He goes on in verse 11 and verse 12. He said, not as though I already attained, either were already perfect. He realized that anything he did in the past uh, didn't matter 
said, I follow after if that I apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Also, I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He says, listen, it's not about all the good things I did before. Those, listen, it's about now. I, I need Christ. I need to know Christ. That's how I can be content. In verse 14, I press toward the mark. What's the mark? Being like Christ, knowing Christ. For the prize, what's the prize? One day in heaven, being like Christ, being perfect in Christ. One day. Not now. Now we strive. We, we, we let Christ sanctify us. And sanctification process is ongoing. But one day in heaven, fully sanctified in Christ Jesus, perfect in Christ, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul could um, get through things. Paul could live his life and face all those difficulties and face all those challenges because of Jesus Christ, because his desire was to know Christ. He is the one. He is all we need. He is the Savior of everything. He is King. Even in the pandemic, even in the trial. Listen, for you, are you out of a job? Your kids are home from school now? You know, you've never homeschooled, you're stressed about that. What if my kid, you know, deteriorates in his learning? Listen, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, doesn't mean that you're not going to lose your job. It doesn't mean that the money's going to be there at the end of the month for rent. It doesn't mean that your kids are going to be perfect and not give you a hard time over the next two months. It doesn't mean that you're going to wake up tomorrow with the gift of homeschooling and you're going to be this incredible teacher. That's not what I can do all things means. What that means is because of Christ in me, because of Jesus Christ in me, and the power, that the divine power that Second Peter talks about, that we are given in Christ Jesus, that salvation for all things pertaining to life and godliness, because of Jesus, even if the money doesn't show up to pay my rent at the end of the month, I'll be okay. Even if my kids aren't giving me a hard time, I can have patience because of Jesus. It is He who is good in me. It's not my morality. It's Christ in me. Even if, listen, even if I, I, I'm worried about having to teach this kids homeschooling, Christ is enough. Doesn't mean you're going to be this amazing teacher, but it means that his mercies are new every morning. He's faithful no matter what happens. And you have to remember that. I'm not talking about barely hanging on. I'm not talking about just making it by the skin of your teeth. I'm talking about having true peace, real joy, contentment no matter what because of Jesus. You can live that life. During this global trial, you can have contentment. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be paranoid. You don't have to stress out. Why? Not because everything is good, because we live in a fallen world, but because of Jesus Christ. There is peace in Christ. There is joy in Jesus. There is contentment in the Savior. Paul knew that by knowing him. He is the person. We have the promise of Christ. He's enough for you. He's enough for me. Lastly, I see this. We saw the pain. We can't ignore the pain. We can't ignore the hardships of life, and especially now in this time. But thank God for the promise of a person, of Jesus Christ, who is enough for us during this time. And lastly, I want to look at the positives. The positives uh, uh, during this time. There are positives during this time. Verse uh, thir 
14. Matthew 8, 14 says, And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. Okay, so there's the pain that you see. And he, there's the person, Jesus, touched her hand and the fever left her. And the, the amazing power of Jesus Christ. But look what happens now. She's healed. Her pain is gone. She's healthy again. And what happens? And she arose and ministered unto them. And ministered unto them. Peter's mother-in-law was sick of a fever. Jesus came, healed her. And she didn't just sit. She got up and began serving and began ministering. Listen, what is the positive? How can you find a positive out of this, Donald? How can you find a positive out of this national pandemic, this global pandemic? How can you find anything positive out of it? I'll tell you how. Trials draw us closer to Christ. Or they should. Pandemics, which hopefully I don't see anymore in the rest of my life. A pandemic, we may be quarantined, we may be isolated, but I'll tell you one thing, it has grown my faith. It has shown me what's really important. It has shown me the importance of meeting together for church, how much I love that. It has shown me the joy of my family. It has... My wife has asthma, you know, she's high risk. My father-in-law has asthma, he's high risk for this coronavirus. And my heart, my heart of concern, not of fear, but you just, you see what I'm getting at? I'm just, all this difficulty and challenge has put things into perspective. That's what it's meant to do. But not only for us, not only should a trial or a hardship, and again, I'm talking about now, what you're facing right now. We're all affected by this pandemic. We're all affected by, by this with our jobs and kids. What the, the stresses that you're dealing with are probably different than mine, but whatever it is that you're dealing with, okay, it's, God wants to bring you through it. Christ is enough for you, but it's not, that's not a, the comfort of God is not an end of itself. It's not an end in itself. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul again is writing to the church at Corinth, and this is his second letter. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, sorry, chapter 1, uh, in verse number 3. He says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Now, pause right there. This is his second letter to the church at Corinth. You think about this. The first letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, to the Corinthians, was brutal. It was humiliating for the church. They, they were in so much junk, and he roasted them, and he humiliated them and convicted them. So he starts his second letter off by saying, listen, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulations. I have no doubt that it was very hard for Paul to write that first letter. It probably hurt him to have to write that. But God is a God of comfort. We think of the word comfort in a way of like it's ease, it's easy, or it's it kind of the, the word ease and kind of a softness kind of a thing. But really, you look at the, the, the Greek in this of that word comfort, and what it means is God coming alongside to help. God coming right by it to help and strengthening you and, and, and giving you the strength and that boldness and courage. That's what that word means. And Paul says he comforts us in all our tribulation. Why? Just so that we can be comfortable now? Just so that we can feel good now? No, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Paul says, 
Yes, he's the father of mercies, the God of all comfort. That's who he is. That's who God is. But it's not just so that I can be comforted. It's so I can take the peace that God gives me, take the strength that God gives me, and pour it out into someone else's life. We have been given an incredible opportunity to serve others right now. Coastline Baptist Church, I know you're watching. We have been given an opportunity to minister to people that otherwise we may never have been able to minister to. Via live stream, uh, we got a bunch of ideas that we're excited about doing uh, on, our, on our website and through our Facebook page of trying to reach to our community. And, and then beyond that, we have been given an opportunity to serve, to help, to minister like Peter's mother-in-law did. She was healed and, and the fever left her and she got up and started helping. What are you doing to help others right now? Hey, you have Christ. If you're watching, you're saved, you have Christ Jesus. Hallelujah for that. That's awesome. And, and maybe you have peace in your heart. But you know what? You work with people that are freaking out right now. you got coworkers that are stressed, that are worried. What are you doing to help? What are you doing to be a blessing? What are you doing to, to, to reach out right now? You've been given an opportunity. Don't miss it. The comfort we're given, we're supposed to pass it along to someone else. Paul says in verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounded by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. He said, listen, your trials are there for a reason. Your, your, your tribulations are there for God to do a work in you. You may, not, you may not want to hear this, but let me say this. This trial, this whole pandemic, However it's affecting you, the trial, the problem, the difficulty, whether you believe it or not, it is good for you. It's good for you. So how can you say that? You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm going through. I, I don't. But I know that whatever the sovereign hand of God allows to come into our life, it's for our good and for his glory. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to to his purpose. It's good for you. What we're all facing, this quarantine, this out of work, this trying to make things, trying to figure out live stream, all this stuff. And I'll tell you, I have, I have acted in frustration and impatience already this week trying to get this stuff figured out. And Lord, forgive me. And I've had to apologize to my family several times because God's trying to work in me. God's trying to humble me. God's trying to cause me to rely on him you know what this is doing? You know what this whole pandemic is doing to a lot of people? It's causing us to realize that we can't do this on our own. We're nothing without Christ. We're nothing without Jesus Christ. It's causing us as pastors, as churches, as Christians to depend fully upon Him. Because self-dependence always leads to destruction. And self-reliance always leads to discontentment. It's not about me. And I'm, I'm realizing God has shown me, God has shown me so many times over the last few weeks that He is all I need. He's all I need. And I have to rest in Him. He's enough. It's meant to draw you closer to Jesus. It's an opportunity to serve others. What are you doing to help other people? Think about that. When we finish up here, what can you do? Do you have neighbors that need some groceries? 
or even just a note. Send it, put in a note in their mailbox that says, I'm praying for you. If you're, if you're nervous, if you're scared, if you need anything, let me know. That's a way for you to serve. Are we serving other people? There's things I'm gonna have to, that I have to do. As a church, we're going to try to minister to people however we can. The, the positives of this. We saw the pain. That's a promise. It's a reality. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficulty. But Jesus is enough. He's the person. He's the person that's enough. He gives grace. His grace is greater than anything. And then we see the positives. Yes, it draws us closer to him, but it also gives an opportunity to serve others. I hope that you're encouraged today through that. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you're watching today and I hope this was shared. And if you haven't shared the video, share it right now because I'm getting ready to give the gospel out. And maybe someone's watching that. You say, well, I don't really know a lot about God or I don't know if I even believe in God or God really hasn't been very good to me in my life. So why should I rest in him? Let me tell you, the devil's a liar. And he'll try to get you to believe anything else. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is enough for you, for your life. For your situation. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is enough. He's enough for you. Dad, mom, teenager. He's enough for you. You're buried in your shame. You got secrets. He's enough for you. He's enough for you. He gives grace. I promise you that. Listen, we are sinners. We live in a fallen world. We're broken people because of our sin. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We cannot get to heaven of our own good, good merit and our good morals. We can't. Our sin separates us from God. Can't have a relationship with God and can't spend eternity in heaven with Him because of our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin, because of our sin, we have to die. And that's where hell is reserved for, separation from God forever. That's, that's, just, that's a sad reality. But here's the exciting truth. That God loved us so much. It says that He loved the world with... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We deserve hell because of our sin. God sent his son Jesus. Jesus who was the son of God, who was God, came to earth, lived a perfect life and then died on the cross, took the punishment for our sins, took the wrath of God that we deserved upon himself on the cross through the torture into death he died for us, for you, for me. Took the wrath of God upon him, and God was satisfied with that. And God took the death of his son in the place of ours so that we could go to heaven. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He was put in the tomb. We're going to celebrate in a few weeks Easter. He was put in a tomb, and three days later, he rose again from the dead. He rose again. And, 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 and that just proved that he was that he was the son of God who he said he was. And because of his resurrection, the power of that resurrection, when you accept Christ as your savior and put your trust in him and what he did for you and, and that he took your place and you don't try to live your life uh, so good that you can get to heaven, but you rest in what Jesus did for you and you accept that and you ask him to confess your sins. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And right where you're at right now, wherever you're watching this from, you can... Call up to God right now and tell him you're a sinner and that you recognize your sin and that you deserve hell, but that Jesus died for you. He's enough for you. Accept him today. Right now where you're at, just tell God, Lord, I trust you. I know you died for me and I believe that. Please save me today and ask him to save you. And if that's something you need, if you've given your life to Christ today, or if you have questions about it, please reach out to us on our Facebook page. Uh, uh, message us. 
and we'll get back with you because we want to help you with this.